This week's Tough as Nails, a recap is sponsored by our friends over at P-Touch Pro by Brother. The P-Touch Pro label maker enables you to organize like a pro, creating durable labels that help identify your electrical and telecom wires and cables, workspace, gear, and more. The P-Touch Pro features convenient one-touch keys that make labeling fast and easy. Use over 300 symbols to help declutter your electrical wiring, workshop, toolbox, garage, storage, and more. P-Touch Pro tackles hobbies too, organizing your camping, hunting, fishing, and sporting gear. And it's easy to use wherever your projects take you, featuring a detachable wrist strap and portable design. Choose from an assortment of exceptionally durable Brother P-Touch label tapes for all your labeling needs. Tackle your toughest labeling jobs with the P-Touch Pro label maker only from Brother. For details, visit ptouchprobybrother.com. What's going on? Rob Cicerino back here for week four of Tough as Nails season two. And uh, very excited to talk about a night on the farm on uh, Tough as Nails. You won't believe uh, everything we have to talk about here today. As uh, we talk about last night's episode, it's going to be a sheep show. Of course, uh, very excited to have uh, back with us this week after a week off the job. Here's the great Jessica. Suggests it's time to go to work. Yeah, I gotta say, Rob, I'm Rob and Mike. I'm so so sorry that I missed last oh, week. Wrong, wrong, wrong. I hit the wrong, <laughs> the wrong cue. Sorry, sorry. I wanted- uh, <laughs> can I talk? Yet? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I was gonna say, Rob and Mike, I'm really, really sorry I missed last week. Um, and I, I'm feeling really, really sheepish about it. Yes, good. Well done. All right, keep it going, Mike. Listen, Jess, you can't pull the wool over our eyes. I know exactly what you were doing last week. You were on the farm making poop angels. We can smell it on you, Lise. <laughs> yes. Is this, is this the equivalent of the bell now? Are we doing the whistle instead <laughs> Time of the to bell? Go to work. Tough as nails? Tough as yes. nails bell. Okay. All right. So uh, here we are after four episodes of Tough as Nails. Uh, talking about Angel eliminated from the com- individual competition. But don't worry. He's still going to be part of the team competition. Uh, we will talk about it all. Jess, I'd love to hear from you about, obviously, a lot of question marks around last week. This felt like the first week we were actually able to properly get into Tough as yeah. Nails. Mike, I told you that Jess needed a week off from the show last week. That was it. Yeah, exactly. So I guess now that you've brought the, the normality back, Jess, I know that, that Rob and I tried to parse through everything from the construction site. Was there anything you, you wanted to add or any thoughts you had about everything that happened last week? I mean, honestly, I think I think you both covered it admirably, and there was oh. nothing in there that I felt like you had missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I too am puzzled by the use of aggregate this season. <laughs> like, as, as big no aggregate, aggregate last night. Yeah, no aggregate last night um, that we know of. Mm-hmm. But 
I, I feel like big aggregate is like putting some money in behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will also say that the other night, Mike Bloom and I got together to talk about today is uh, March 4th, the kickoff mm-hmm. of Paramount Plus. And we did a, another one of our brand steel simulations where the stars, uh, we put everybody from the Super Bowl commercial, uh, the stars of CBS versus a tribe of the stars of Viacom. And we loaded it up, it loaded it all into the brand steel simulator. And people are saying that one one of the best brand steals ever. Though I listened to it. It might have been a little bit better if Phil Kogan was in those commercials and would be able to take part as a result. Yeah, we'll find out why Phil wasn't uh, asked to uh, uh, hike up the mountain. uh, We don't know he wasn't asked. Yeah, maybe he did. Yeah, maybe he he did. Maybe he big timed them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, tough as nails uh, last night. We were uh, all on the farm and we had a uh, tough as uh, I'm sorry, the dirty hands. And of course, the savage crew back at it again. And uh, hey, bales. Yeah, I guess if aggregate is season two and pea gravel is season one, I guess hay bales are sort of the connector between the two seasons, right? Because we had the epic Lee versus Michelle stack yes, the hay bales yes. overtime challenge. Now they just spread it out across a football field. Well, I just watched Survivor Ghost Island this week on the top 40 all-time season countdown. I was hoping that Phil would say like, uh, this hay bale right here, Roofer <laughs> Lee, if he would have gotten it stacked, he could have mm. beat Michelle in the overtime in season one. It's well, come what back. Is the hay bale, what is it? What does it mature into? It matured into like a hundred hay bales, right? It's, wow, that's it's matured that's into that Ford F one fifty right over there. A hay bale that turns into it a truck. became the car. I like, yeah, that's a, that's I feel like I saw a cartoon about this in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we had our. Our team competition, which was the hay bales, we had our individual competition, which was the sheep, which was which was I would say like uh, very fun. I thought that that was the the highlight of the, of the episode, and then the overtime with uh, freight train versus angel, and then I have to say that um, the overtime angel going out. I thought that you just like uh, the last overtime that we got to see after uh, last week, uh, skipping the OT, the the OTs have been very emotional uh, this season. And I, I don't even remember feeling that way really in the overtimes in season one. But I don't know what it is about this group. And maybe it's because they're they've shot during COVID. And it's like, a you know, that's everybody is like uh, very emotional about things. But. I don't know. Uh, did you feel the, uh, that the, the 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 players and even myself, like, uh, did you feel more like uh, emotional stakes in the overtime this week? Well, this is something I've actually I've been formulating in my head um, in the absence of being on this podcast to talk with it about talk about it with the two of you. And in the absence of being able to ask Phil about it, I've been formulating in my head some sort of comparisons and contrasts to how the story was being told last last season and one of the main things that i have been observing is that there's a lot more pathos this season and a lot more leaning into the idea of somebody needing the money and i mm. think they touched on it last season but angel's story in particular they're really milking it for tragedy in a way that they really i don't mm-hmm. know if milking it for tragedy feels cynical but that's they are talking more about how hard his life is Mm -hmm. in a way that I think last season they didn't talk about how hard people's lives were in these jobs. They said, you know, they work hard, but they really love what they do. And this feels more like 
your regular garden variety shows where people go on the reality show saying, I'm in it, I'm in this to win the money so I can help my family. And that that's a big difference for me. And I think Angel is kind of the is the focal point of this because his entire story so far has been that he does work very hard, but he does not um you know, he is not adequately compensated for it and he's had a rough upbringing and um his family is scattered to the four winds and this is going to being on the show is going to change his life mm-hmm. i feel like previously tough as nails central message was not being on the show is going to change your life and i have to wonder what the decision was um what how did they come to the decision to start leaning into that a little harder mm-hmm. because i think last season we did talk about and i can't remember if it was on the show itself or if phil just mentioned it to us i know that there was a lot of talk about somebody talking about their job and then mentioning they're not they're not working with a union and then the other their teammates saying you got to get a union job we will help you find a union job this is what you need to be doing instead i don't remember it being this heavily leaned on and i hope that the eventual outcome of this is like somebody gets angel into a union and gets him a good union job so he can have benefits and you know afford to go see his family more often Mm -hmm. now let me just uh ask you about uh it's a very, very interesting uh, idea that do you feel like that is that the overall story of all the contestants or is that just Angel's story? Do you feel like it's mostly up to now? It's just Angel. I think we've heard, but he's been the star like the last three mm-hmm. episodes. We've seen we've seen so much Angel. I think whenever we're not um, whenever we're not actually not a manure Angel, at, that's different. Right. Yeah. Right. That's a completely different thing. Um Stop putting that image in my head. <laughs> we, we we just repeat it, Jess. Blame I know Sally. we, we didn't pick it up. In there. I know. Okay, all right. But she grew up on a farm. Yeah, I don't think they really do or that near on farm. farms. Yeah, yeah. She grew up near a farm. I don't think people that live on farms do that. No, she was she was in the Amish country. I don't know what the Amish were doing, but it certainly wasn't poop angels. Yeah, it sure feels like that's not an Amish thing. Yeah, I've never heard that. Um, but so I I will say that. I don't know if it necessarily comes from the show or if that's Angel's uh, story, because I feel like that even Freight Train like didn't want to yeah. put the 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 like figurative nail in his coffin by putting the nail in the horseshoe. It was like a uh, Freight Train like was had like uh, mixed feelings about knocking Angel out of the competition. Yeah, but we also spent some time on Freight Train and mm-hmm. him talking about like how this is going to change his life, too. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it does seem like this is a this is sort of a pivot um, when it comes to what the show is really about. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's very on brand for somebody on Tough as Nails to to debate throwing a competition so that someone who needs it more could stay in. That does seem that does seem very much like the camaraderie we saw last mm-hmm. season and this season. Well, yeah, also especially with the element that they could stay in. Yeah, too, and, right? yeah. So it's not it's not Angel saying like, oh, I can make more money. I can make twenty two hundred dollars a week. It's not like I'm I'm out of the competition. I I agree with Jess to to definitely to a certain extent. I feel like season one, in terms of arduousness, was more focused occupationally. Right? You have Phil being like. Show us all the calluses on your hands. Look at all the work you do every day, day in and day out, working multiple hours a day to, you know, make America run. And I think this season is a bit more about personal arduousness. Even outside of the freight train and the angel stuff, you have someone like Sarah, right, who's a type one diabetic. And we hear a lot about how I'm doing this to show that, like, just because you 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 have this disease does not necessarily mean that you're not as tough as anyone else. I'm sure we'll find out more stuff about these people as we go along. 
I'm not sure if that's a difference in an editorial thing or if it's just that the contestants that they happen to bring on happen to have obviously the most interesting stories. That's a reason why they're cast. And so someone like Angel's story really peaks in that regard. But I completely agree with an earlier statement. I was stunned that Angel went here because he is he was, I think, one of the big POV characters. And even if you're reading the tough as nails edgic and you're looking at like Scott and Knuckles as the bigger winner candidates, you would think that Angel would be like a sentimental favorite to at least go pretty far, not even though he's still in the competition, become the third person to leave yeah, the game proper. The third person to leave the competition last season was Rufer Lee. Yeah, but yeah. Rufer Lee, but Rufer Lee wasn't getting like monologues talking about his life story. Rufer Lee was there for the one Rufer Lee doesn't talk in monologues, Mike. Yeah. I, mean, I think, I thought, honestly, it felt to me very much like a cat, like a very, it, it felt to me like the pre-merge boot edit to me. Um, to use, to borrow a term from a, from a previous um, show that we have covered. We don't talk about it, tribes on this show, Jess. We do not. <laughs> yeah. We do not. Yeah. Um, it really felt to me like they were giving you a lot of his story early on because there may yeah. be fewer opportunities to tell it later on down the line. Are, are you it's, saying it's like the personal story bump, Mike? Mm-hmm. It's the personal story bump. <laughs> yeah. Are you saying that we have our fallen angel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like that both of these episodes, I feel like uh, that we had an elimination. You know, obviously, I feel like that the Tara and uh, Swifty battle were, were extenuating circumstances with uh, Tara's injury and mm-hmm. Swifty also. Like, uh, I mean, that was super dramatic. Like, I, I just like, uh, I don't remember feeling as like uh, when, when these two people, like when it was like, uh, with all due respect to like, uh, you know, young versus uh you know you know whoever else in like the various different uh overtimes in season one like uh i i don't i like it just it didn't seem like that it was like as uh with as much gravitas to like knock somebody out of the competition i think that also has to do with angel the person who i think i would say out of all 24 contestants we've experienced so far in Tough as Nails canon, I think he is the one who wears the heart on his sleeve the most, Mm -hmm. right? He is the one who is hustling from the very first two to that work whistle until, you know, his team finally wins. Phil consistently says he's a workhorse. He's constantly hustling. He never slows down. That ends up, ironically enough, screwing him over in the overtime. So I think he was also, like, very beloved amongst the Mm -hmm. cast as well rob i do think you have an interesting point about the pandemic but i don't know if that's necessarily about like an interpersonal perspective and maybe more of an occupational thing Mm -hmm. right i i can imagine certainly much like you know uh there have been so many people that like in business reality shows say oh when the recession hit this happened and so i really need the money i could certainly imagine these people who well, their jobs are, are not exactly deemed inessential. Selly, for instance, I'm sure there are certainly hardships they've experienced the past year as a result of the pandemic. There are more stakes involved of, of getting that money because if you have found yourself uh, paying a bit more out of pocket for things based on opportunities that have dried up due to the pandemic, then yeah, every dollar does count that makes its way back into your pocket. Yeah. Um. I uh, enjoyed the blacksmith challenge for the for the OT. I, like I didn't think they were going to be getting into uh, you know um, blacksmith uh, ing. Jess, what's the right word? I I think it is smithing. Rob. Yes, um, I think here's my favorite part of it. They didn't really explain how to do the challenge. Mm-hmm. Bill handed him a book and said RTFM, and 
I, I thought that was wonderful. And it doesn't make for the best TV, but I think it would have been, it makes much better TV than Phil sitting there like talking you through every single yeah. piece of the process. I also think that Angel like was well defined in that like uh, yeah, Angel, he's fast and like he's strong, but he like doesn't stop to think. And you really mm-hmm. saw that come to light in he's, the over- He's a boxer. Yeah. It's, it's a boxer thing. You, you come in full tilt, 100% at a sprint. And you do that sprint until the round is over. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very, he's very, very good for those types of tasks. But anything that's more methodical where you have to stop and think, like that's not, that's not how you operate when you're boxing. Yeah. yeah. So it comes down to being detail oriented, ironically mm-hmm. enough, in this. I do wonder with the book, because we don't see them go to it. Do you think they actually went to it? Did they decide like, okay, let's hunker down for some study time and read through this like loose leaf moleskin that Phil left around about all the details of how to make a horseshoe? Or did true to Angel's model, he'd be like, ah, I think I figured it out. If it's, mm-hmm. if it's glowy, you hit it. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. And then Freight Train, I think uh, he got like the blacksmith look. Like I think oh, yeah. just... I like he, he he does sort of look like an extra out of like Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. Grow his beard a little bit longer and he could really fit in amongst the Vikings. <laughs> yeah, so it seemed like, it seemed like that uh, he kind of had it down, uh, and then Angel. I was worried Angel was going to hurt himself. Like uh, he was just like on tilt, like going crazy with uh, like uh, like like I thought he was going to like pick up the horseshoe off the ground, but like without even using the tongs. Yeah, it seemed like we were really primed for. Oh, and you saw Phil like admonish yeah. him because he's like, Angel. Slow down. Yeah. Don't slam the forge, Angel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean we 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 could have seen like an incredibly unlucky cast of Toughest Nails where they just keep dropping like flies despite the fact oh. that the show prevents you from actively doing so. Mm. Like the Oompa Loompas. Yeah. <laughs> be yeah, be careful, Angel. Yeah. Um, At a certain point you have to recalibrate your metric for toughness so you stop dropping your contestants mm-hmm. yeah um and so yeah freight train is able to move on he said that his goal a couple of weeks ago was to stay out of the overtimes but i feel like that this was like uh even though it was dangerous i feel like this was one of the uh less like physically punishing ot's that uh we've had yeah i mean that being said i do kind of feel for both freight train and angel here rob i know you said that that the sheep was the highlight of the episode I actually wasn't a big oh. fan of it. Uh, mm, I know why. I mean, the the fact of the matter is, as they said, it really wasn't an individual challenge. Mm-hmm. It was a team challenge until the last 15 seconds. And then it's, oh, okay, now we got to get the sheep. Mm-hmm. Oh my, it was it's really like, oddly structured. It, it's like one of those... Um, it's like those amazing race challenges where three teams decide to quit at the same time and then they say, oh, we're just going to book it for the, for the finish line. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, well, I just thought that it was that the teams worked together, uh, but I feel like it was, you know, designed to be like a uh, like a, a individual working working in pairs. Uh, they and sort it, of broke the challenge. They, yeah, they really. sort yeah, of like, thing, yeah. yeah, they all uh, partnered together. Uh, Phil, are you there? Are you able to hear us? I I can hear you. Yes. Hooray! Yes. Uh, we're joined hey. here by the uh, the host. Uh, co-creator executive producer tough as nails phil kogan phil how are you i'm feeling very sheepish sheepish yes Um, already used it uh do you already have i'm i i knew you would do that uh, we got that one too mm, bill oh you got that one too keep going through your list rattle your dags yes Uh, yes I, i i i feel rattled to my my fiber, the core of my fiber. Uh, no, that didn't work. Okay. Listen, um, the good news is, um, uh, do you, do, where's the plaid shirt? 
Jesse, where's the, where's the plaid mm-hmm. shirt? I, do you want me to go get one? I, yeah, I, I think I think just to kick things off nicely, <laughs> would be, do you have a, a plaid shirt? Yes, because I'll be right back. Yeah, I just it, yeah, I don't want you to be left out. Yeah, nobody's ever yeah. come in and requested that we have a wardrobe change on the podcast to get it out. But you're big on like everybody's in their uniform. That's, That's sort true. of like what Tough I, as Nails is all about. Yeah, and listen, if we're gonna plaid, let's all plaid out together. <laughs> uh, let's 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 be very very plaid that yes. we are together <laughs> yes um how how are you guys oh look at this this yes. is great right. this Here is we go this is i'm a lumberjack and i'm okay all day my favorite song got, have you got high heels upon your feet yeah exactly it's, it's a pandemic phil nobody's wearing high heels because <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> i have my high heels on all right and uh, there's nothing wrong with that yes you have your, your high horseshoes on I got to get off my high horse and put some new shoes on them. Um, so uh, trotting along. So how are you guys? Yeah, we're doing, doing great. We we're just talking about uh, last night's show, Phil. Um, well, wait, wait, were you happy? Did you like it? Uh, what, you, you well, think? we were just talking about the uh, uh, Angel's Arc. Uh, and the, Archangel. Yeah, the, Archangel. The, Archangel. <laughs> the Archangel, yeah. Uh, and him, uh, him going out. And uh, part of his story was that, uh, you know, what he could have done with the, with the money had he won the grand prize and how badly he needed that. And if that was something that was like, uh, like more highlighted uh, this season in terms of something that you want to show of all of the, the contestants, or that's something that's sort of like individual to Angel's story? Well, I think it was just, um, you know, I think one of the more powerful bites that I remember us putting in there was when he said, you know, he knows what it's like to go to school and have his ankle showing because he can't afford to have pants that fit properly. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot of people struggling out there, a lot of people who can connect and and associate with the struggles that someone like Angel is going through. And, um, you know, the union chat I thought was really interesting. And um, it's very topical right now with, you know, with regards to the the minimum wage discussion that's happening. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was that, that's his story. I mean, whether th- that's not necessarily something that will come up every season, but uh, but but it's his story. So mm-hmm. it was something we wanted to definitely wanted to to highlight. Yeah. Have we lost like Michael? Him. Yeah, then he'll pop back. He'll be back. Yeah. Does he, he do that? Does back. he just disappear from time to time? And just, yeah. I know, I know what it is. He's going to get a better plaid shirt. That's what it is. Mm, is that yeah. what it is? Okay. Huh, here he is. All right. Sorry. Um, I had to go get my grill in to know that I was really ready for it. <laughs> yes. Oh, sure. Mike, yes. Mike is ready to go. And once he has his grill popped in, uh, yeah, his, his that, bling. that was another thing. Yeah. Did you guys get that whole grill thing? Like mm-hmm. again, it was just a, it was a cultural thing that we felt was, it was interesting. You know, I didn't really know too much about the significance of the, of the grill. And, and uh, so again, just another way of layering in some information about these essential workers, these working class people on our show who maybe can open our eyes up to a different way of thinking and different life, that sort of thing. All right, we'll be right back with Mike, Jess, and Phil. But let's go from talking with Mike Bloom to talking with a brand new sponsor on the podcast. It's Bloomscape. 
Bloomscape is uh, delivering healthy plants right to your door, plus all of the grow how you need to help them thrive. Uh, forget aggregate. We're talking agriculture. Find the perfect plants for your space, whether you've got a ton of light or hardly any. Thousands of people have already upgraded their spaces with beautiful indoor plants from Bloomscape. And now Bloomscape is taking it outside with their new outdoor bloom kits. After being stuck indoors all winter, I think we're all ready to say good riddance to the indoors. But as excited as I am to get outside, I haven't been looking forward to getting plants in shape. That's where Bloomscape comes in. They send you real plants that Nicole and I just picked one out. I just, uh, we were just looking at it downstairs. It's called the, I can't, I'm, I'm worried I'm going to butcher it, but uh, we just got a Schefflera Arboricola and uh, it is a very nice tree. Uh, it's about four feet tall and uh, the kids are amazed and it looks great. And now we have uh, we have a tree and it's it's wonderful. It comes in a in a pot with a tray underneath. It's uh, super easy to get set up. Came right to the door. And the great thing about Bloomscape is that they've got Plant Mom and Plant Mom. You could email Plant Mom at any time. There's video on the website, Plant Mom is going to help you find the perfect plant for you to get your outdoor and indoor spaces perfect. The new outdoor bloom kits from Bloomscape are exactly what we all need right now. It's the easiest, most convenient way to get growing. Shop for a variety of young plants, accessories, tools, and supplies. Everything you need to get your patio or porch springtime ready. Bloomscape's patented shipping technology makes them one of the few that can deliver happy, healthy plants in all sizes across the U.S. I can attest to that. And Bloomscape will ship at the perfect time to arrive after that last winter frost so your plants grow healthy and strong. Bloomscape's bloom kits Kits, there's so many blooms, are completely customizable, mix and match sizes and colors. And since no two plants are alike, Bloomscape makes it easy to filter plants by how much light or attention they need. The Grow How team is always accessible to answer any of your plant care questions. Get 15% off plant orders of $100 with a promo code RHAP. That's Bloomscape.com. 15% off plant orders of $100 or more at Bloomscape, B-L-O-O-M-S-C-A-P-E dot com, promo code R-H-A-P. And now let's get back to Bloom and Jessica and Phil. I thought it was interesting uh, that Scott had the advantage uh, this week and we got to see that uh, Scott got to pick the teams. And I thought that uh, everything was uh, seemed fine, but then he highlighted, okay, at the end, all right, freight train and angel. I just, you know, I, I really want to uh, put you two into the overtime. And I wasn't sure exactly, uh, one, why he said that. Uh, and two, was he feeling like that freight train was going to slow down angel? Was that why he ended up doing, uh, making the teams in that way? No, I just think that he knew it was going to be a lucky dip. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. they, it was one of those challenges where there was a lot of uh, luck involved. Um, and he probably knew that everybody was going to be out of their element. And so he thought what would be great is, 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 uh, if I put them together, maybe there'll be a, you know, cause angel and freight train are quite different in terms of their approach pr- approaches. So I think he probably thought that that somehow wouldn't work. And if you look at the way it happened, mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened. Like, um, 
Narada and and Zeus have have a similar sort of way of thinking. They're both quite Zen-like. They're quite calm, and they talk to themselves and believe in themselves. And Freight Train is very uh, methodical, um, logical. You know, he likes to uh, go through the steps of doing things. An angel can sometimes get flustered. So I think he thought that there was some potential for for things to go wrong between them, which ultimately ended up happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could imagine it's it's the equivalent of like Robin, you know, in Big Brother when you have the the knockout competition and you put two people that you want at least one of them gone up against each other. I did find it interesting though because I do feel like up to this point, narratively speaking, we haven't really gleaned a sense as to who's looking out for who as mm-hmm. competition. I know last year it was really a lot about Danny and Murph talking yeah. up each other in confessional. Uh, whereas this season, that that really isn't necessarily the case. Maybe it's because of all the stuff that's been happening, you know, outside of the show that that maybe that sort of distracted people. So it, it was interesting to hear from Scott, who I think this is the first time this season that someone has said, I think Angel's a threat. I feel like Freight Train's a threat. If I put them together, one of them's guaranteed to go home or, you know, be eliminated from the individual competition. And that makes things much easier for me. Yeah, I thought it was a smart move. And, and, and look, just a little inside baseball on this. Um, Angel and and Sarah had the highest brutal truth test scores. Um, their work rate, Sarah and and Angel's work rate is 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 above and beyond anybody else there. Now we have some people who are very close aerobically in terms of their endurance. Like Knuckles has got a very had a very very high uh, score, um, but uh, I think. Scott was like looking at the workload that Zo- that uh, Angel, sorry, has been getting through. I mean, this this guy Angel does not slow down. I mean, yeah. he will literally work all day, and you're going to see that throughout the rest of the season. This guy is his work rate is unbelievable. When he first applied, he was telling us about how he does these jobs where people love hiring him and his team because they literally will cut the estimates in half. Because yeah. of the speed at which they can work, his he is ripped, and you know he's been a boxer in his life, so he knows what it's like to push himself to to the breaking point physically. Um, but I think Scott saw a weakness in him with regards to getting flustered when he when he gets frustrated, and 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 I think he saw Angel as a as maybe his biggest physical threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and wanted to insert an opportunity to do something about it and uh, knew that Sarah had that great physical ability. So I wanted to pull her onto his team and also know that Sarah is very calm under pressure. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's got maybe the, the fittest person in Sarah uh, who's also calm under pressure on his side. And then he puts the person who's, his biggest physical threat in angel with somebody who has a completely different approach to everything and figured maybe something will go wrong. I did find it interesting that, you know, last season when Murph was given a similar power, he really went inter team, right? He made sure that every single dirty hands person had a savage crew partner. I find it interesting here that Scott picks Sarah obviously, and basically has everyone stick to their own respective teams with the exception mm-hmm. of Selly and Knuckles. Now, I don't know if there was some strategy involved in that, but I think that's just also a sign of the various ways you can tackle this type of advantage. And I'm assuming as more advantages are going to show up over the course of the season, like they did last season, 
it really just goes to prove that depending on who has their hands on these advantages, dirty hands, if you will, they can really use it however they want to, whether to their actual strategic merit or not. Yeah, and I think that um, Murph was in a quite a different situation. He knew that with Danny, he had someone super strong. He's sort of like guaranteeing a win. It was a physical challenge. It was a, it required some smarts in terms of making the connections with the irrigation pipes. So he sort of figured like he had it in the bag with Danny because he knew he was going to work hard. He knew he had it. So I think he was super confident. And at that point, he kind of played the whole, like, I don't think he felt threatened by anybody else apart from Danny. And he was pulling Danny across with him to guarantee himself the win. And then I think in Murph's, the way that Murph thinks is Murph was like, all right, now I'm going to be super fair (laughs) and I'm just going to like, put these pairs up together and, and, you know, match people together uh, from opposite teams. So I I think Scott was way more calculated. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. There's a game theory element there where you want to, you want to make sure that you're protecting your own team. And I think we talked about this last season where pairing someone, pairing people from opposite teams always ensures that you don't have a situation where two people from your team are going up against each other at the end. Yes, absolutely. And, and um, I also wondered whether uh, I also wondered whether, you know, part of it, too, was Scott was thinking about the team by putting if, if he thought that things were going to go wrong with freight train and Angel. They would have to spend more and that things were they were going to use up more energy. Mm-hmm. Then they would have to go to overtime. Then he didn't know what that was exactly, but he figured, oh, that would tire out yeah. two people who are very important to dirty hands. So then that gives us an advantage in the team competition as well. So I think he was doing a lot of thinking. Maybe Scott was playing 5D chess on this, but he's also the same guy who thought to split the teams up during the team competition. So uh, maybe not. I I don't understand that. (laughs) So Savage Crew loses the trap challenge on the boat by saying, okay, by keeping one person behind, that's one less person that can be stacking the traps. Cut to two challenges later. Scott says, I got it. Take nearly half the team, put it in a place where they're going to stand around and wait for a good portion of time. Right. You know, it's, it's, I always love the strategies that come out, but it was really interesting that, despite losing for basically the exact same reason last time they lost savage crew again loses for the exact same reason the thing that that shocked me was that they were he was presenting it like it was emergent strategy like nobody had ever thought about it before and it's like no you thought about it two episodes ago and it didn't work (laughs) and you're doing it again well to be fair to be fair the instinct i think from a lot of people including Knuckles. If you remember, Knuckles pushed back against Zeus. Zeus, he had a plan. He figured, no, 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 no. We're not having anybody like, we're not going to run the risk of anybody being back at the barn with nothing to do. We're going to stick together as a team and, and do this in a linear fashion. We pick up, we drive over, we unload, we go back, we pick up, we drive over, we unload. And so Knuckles is, Knuckles had an instinct like, yeah, but shouldn't some of us stay? We'll finish this while you guys go get more. And then by the time you get back, we'll be done with this. But then you run the risk of running out of hay bales to stack, right? Mm -hmm. As happened with, but I love that moment where Meryl Meryl says to Scott, because they've got such a great relationship. You know, sometimes you're really, really smart. You know, you really are really smart. And they're, they're almost like, you know, we got this, we got this in the barn, you know, this is no trouble at all. And, And of course they're standing there and just Scott's like, 
shoot, <laughs> we messed this up. Mm-hmm. Well, here's my question. How far was it from the hay bale area to the barn? Could you finish stacking your bales and then jog back and help people at the truck? Or is that way too far? And would that gas everybody out? I'm going to say it was uh, uh, at least a half a mile, but it might've been more. So mm-hmm. I think by the time they ran over there, they would have been completely and utterly tapped. And then they wouldn't have been able to get it on and do anything. And then, yeah, no. And it was sort of, I think they, they also couldn't tell from the distance how far through the teams were. Like, did they have a third to go, a half to go? You know, mm-hmm. how far through were they? Were they going to run over and there was going to just be a waste of time? So I think they were sort of caught between a, a hay bale and a barn, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, can we go back to overtime for a second? Because we speculated about this before you came on. You had the book, the guide to how to make a horseshoe. Did yes. these two guys actually refer to it before they they went into the challenge? Did they consult back to it if they were struggling? Did did the book actually you know uh, play a part in the overtime challenge proper? The book was a backup to us giving them instruction on how to use the tools. So we showed them. This is how you pick up the metal. This is how you put it in the forge. This is how you use the heat. This is, you know, we explained to them that when it's bright and orange like that, that's more pliable. We, we went through all the basics that were in the book. So everything that was in the book was everything that was explained to them mm-hmm. before we started. The book was a, was a backup. You know, I, I notice online sometimes people go, I can't believe you didn't tell people uh, how to do that, you know, how to drive a bulldozer. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you're making the assumption, like, we're not going to make a television show about, okay, everybody, um, everybody jump in your bulldozers. We're going to show, okay, everybody push your left, your right, left uh, lever forward <laughs> and backwards and left. I mean, come on. I mean, it, it, like, so this one guy who's, who's like, I can't believe you didn't give them any instruction. Um, and and I and I was like, well, what makes you assume that we didn't? And by the way, of the uh, nine first timers, the spread with exactly the same instructions and all non bulldozer drivers was twelve minutes. So you can give instructions all you want, but some days there's just some people who are going to use their PlayStation skills to get through driving a bulldozer and use those skills mm-hmm. to be better than someone who got exactly the same instructions but is twelve minutes slower. Mm-hmm. So. And you know they'd all be sending you hate tweets about why did you spend so much time showing us how to do something if you did it the other way? <laughs> Look, you There's know, no pleasing these people. Yeah. What I've realized, what I've realized in life is it's a little bit like um, it's a little bit like going to an ice cream store. Yes. And uh, and someone goes in and they say, uh, uh, "I'll have a vanilla ice cream. I love vanilla ice cream." And then they leave the store, and then someone. Uh, sees that person with the vanilla ice cream goes, oh my God, I hate vanilla ice cream. I can't believe they sell vanilla ice cream in that store. I like chocolate. Like, now what are you meant to do? Get rid of all the vanilla ice cream to please the guy who likes chocolate and then get rid of the vanilla because the other person doesn't like chocolate. There's no pleasing everybody. And so I, I think uh, you have to you have to make choices and, and you're so right, <laughs> Phil. Do your best. Yes. And then, and then ultimately I would say to people, if 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 you're not happy with with the amount of bulldozer instructions, 
how about you make your own TV show? Oh, and yeah. Make it all about oh. tonight on how to drive a bulldozer. <laughs> One hour of this goes forward, this goes back, this yeah. goes left, this goes right. Tonight on instructions, I don't know. Anyway, it's just uh, I yeah. find it fascinating. Phil, I think I we have that show yeah. actually. We can relate. We channel. get a lot of feedback in the podcast world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, we get a lot of feedback. I, it's yes, my like I told you, my dad, uh, my dad always says, easier to critique than to create. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's I, I motto, live with that actually. all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my motto. As someone whose job it is to talk about television on a podcast, it's really my personal motto. Yeah, but you know, the thing is, you guys have created content out of critiquing content. So mm-hmm. you're you're creating something from what you're critiquing. I'm talking about people that don't do anything with critiquing other than just pointing out mm-hmm. what they think is 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 wrong. Like, th- how easy is that? I, I can drive down the street and I can say, I don't like those pants that that guy's wearing. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Don't wear those pants then. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. what do you mean to do with that? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, so I want to I want to completely change direction now. Uh, yes, let's back. do that. Let's change yeah. the pants and go, let's, you know. I mean, speaking I don't like of that conformity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spe- I don't like that direction. We're going to do something different. Speaking of conformity, let's go back to the sheep. Um, and... I want to know if when this challenge was being designed, um, did was it anticipated that they te- that the teams would work together in the way that they did? It's something that we were curious about uh, before you came on. I thought it was really interesting that it was supposed to be two people working together and it ended up being all 10 people working together. Is it, did they sort of break the challenge in that regard? So um, it uh, coming from New Zealand, what I know about sheep is you don't stand in front of the mm. sheep if you want it to come. You, you can't stand in front of a sheep if you want it to come towards you. You have to get behind the sheep and 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 coerce them to go mm-hmm. the opposite Rattle direction. Rattle their eggs, right? Yes. Rattle their eggs. So um, this whole sheep thing, I've been fascinated with it for a long, long time. Going back to season two of Amazing Race when. Mm-hmm. When I uh, was helping to set up uh, some shows in New Zealand for season two, we went to my dad's college, college, uh, one of my uh, dad's college friends. We went to his farm and we had, if you remember, we had the teams rounding up sheep and they had to do it where there was no crossover. They, it, a, a, a team of amazing racers had to herd the sheep or separate the sheep. It was separate the sheep, not herd the sheep. And uh, with this, what I thought would be fascinating is sheep want to be together. So if you put 40 sheep together in a pen, in a bigger pen, they're all going to want to clump together. I was fascinated by this idea of, well, what happens when you have five pairs who now need four sheep each and their goal as a pair is to get four sheep in a pen. But in order to do that, they have to work as a collective first. And in life, it was sort of, as, as uh, Swifty said, he got it at the end. He's like, this was a, like an integrity challenge. This was like figuring out that sometimes you have to do something for the greater good of all before you can then get something for yourself. So um, 
I don't want to get too deep into it or anything, but I was sort of fascinated by the idea of would they figure out that the first part of it was, okay, we've all got a common goal. Let's help each other. And then the second part of it was we're in a competition and we have to get our sheep in the pen before everybody else. So we didn't really know how it was going to go. So to answer your question, Jess, we we set it up, but we didn't really know how it was going to actually break down once it happened. <laughs> once it once they all got yeah. together, I was impressed with the sheep. I didn't know sheep were that fast, and I didn't know that sheep could jump. I mean, I guess that I should re- like you know how I go to sleep every night is a sheep jumping over right. a fence, but <laughs> that I just like uh, to see it in real time. Uh, I was v- very impressed. Yeah, sheep are um, very they are agile, quick. and 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 look, um, w- w- this sounds crazy, but one of one of the first shows that I ever worked on as an assistant camera operator back in the mid '80s, when you before you guys were born, was um, <laughs> I. Uh, it was a show called The Dog Show in New Zealand, and it was it was uh, shepherds and their dogs, and they had these competitions where the shepherd and the dog would have to round up sheep. I think it was normally six sheep and put them in a pen. Mm. And it was on a Sunday night before a a show that I used to do, which was a staple on, on one of the networks when I first started, before I started as a host, I was doing a camp being a camera assistant. And it was one of the most popular shows of the week Mm. on a Sunday night. I think it it played like six o'clock or something like that. And everybody would watch. And the way that it was covered was like the close-up of the eyes of the sheep and then back to the herder and then back to the dog and then back to the sheep. And then the dog would step like this and then the sheep would look and then the herder would hold it. Hold it, you know, hold it, get him behind, get him behind. And it was all of this sort of all these signals and whistling and all of this stuff. And it was so entertaining, but it was always the battle of wills. And so that sort of was the inspiration for this whole thing was, what happens when you get a whole bunch of city folk? I mean, I loved Selly walking around with a piece of twine. Yeah, did, or, did you just, did you just the, grab a branch off a tree like a switch yeah. and was just <laughs> trying to wave it around? Yeah, and then all that, she, you know, I called her a sheep whisperer at one point, and then freight train reaching down for a couple of pieces of dry grass, like that was going to entice mm-hmm. them. And then Sarah trying to be like a shepherd's dog and doing the barking. I mean, it was hysterical. I was, <laughs> yeah, I think, I, think that, I think that was my favorite strategy personally. Not since Big Brother 19 have we seen barking on major CBS reality television. <laughs> I did like them being like, well, uh, the, the a familiar voice, right? Uh, do, a, do a dog. Uh, surely the dog, the hearing they know dogs sure we'll we'll herd them back into the pen familiar yeah Yeah, it's familiar the question is whether it's whether it's liked like we we feel it's definitely familiar but i'm not sure they really Mm -hmm. like the dog sound Mm -hmm. okay first of all a show about herding sheep being the most popular show on television is the most new zealand thing i've ever heard yes (laughs) okay well no but here's one even better and i can't remember if i've told you this you guys this story did I tell you that that's fairly interesting story? I might have, right? I, mm, I don't think so. so. I don't, tell us again. Okay. Okay. So in New Zealand, we're all about being understated. And we have this thing called the Tola Poppy Syndrome. So if you imagine a field of poppies, if one poppy rises up, like a Peter Jackson rises up above in the field of poppies, then Tola Poppy Syndrome is somebody comes along and goes, clip and clips that tall poppy and the top poppy falls down and then everybody is equal and the same 
and everybody's comfortable. So you never want to like uh, be a wanker, basically, you know, never. be a skite, as we would say. And so um, everything has to be sort of underplayed. So if the all black rugby team, um, our national team is called the All Blacks. If they win and they break a world record, then the captain's expected to say, uh, you know, oh, it was nothing. Um, you know, got to hand it to the other team. They played really well. Meanwhile, the score line's like 100 to zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know it was a world record. It's never been done before. Probably never will be done again. But, um, you know, you got to hand it to the other team. They really came out here today to play. So you have to understate everything. So television producers in New Zealand back in the late, 80s decide they're going to do a show that's the equivalent of that's incredible but we can't call it that's incredible because nobody can new zealand's allowed to be incredible they can be okay but they can't be incredible so instead of calling the show that's incredible they called it that's fairly interesting (laughs) and that was the name of the show and I happen to have been a host on that show called That's Really Interesting. So when we would show the most interesting things on the planet, a guy who built a house out of beer bottles or someone who was breaking a world record, it would always end with, that's fairly interesting. And that is a true story. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't wait for the New Zealand version. Uh, Ripley's. Yeah, you can believe it if you want to, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, you can believe it if you want to. Not really that impressive, but... It's up to you. So. But yeah. I think that sort of... Um, I mean, we're getting better uh, at acknowledging success and celebrating success. But um, at the end of the day, the more understated you are, the better. You mm-hmm. want to be, you know, you just got to be like, no matter whether you're Peter Jackson or Sam Neill, you just got to be like everybody else and then you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. That, that explains so much about the philosophical approach to tough as nails as well, because you really are like one person gets to win at the end, but everybody else gets to keep winning along the way. Yeah. I mean, we don't get me wrong. We're, we're like, we're hyper competitive. Like the, 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 our national rugby team, um, is the winningest sports team in history. We've won, we have a higher percentage rate of winning than any other team in sports history. And against teams like Australia, I think we've somewhere around 80% against England in the high 80s. Like we don't, the national rugby team does not lose. And um, so we're very competitive. Um, so, but it's just that. You also, those people who are amazing at what mm-hmm. they do also have to play like they're just like everybody else. Yeah. And then we all feel comfortable with that. But Phil, uh, you don't bring that to uh, the show as the host, because I, one of the things that I was noticing last night is that you really like uh, talk up all of the players that are on the show. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like I was thinking like, boy, it must be so great just to have like Phil in your daily <laughs> life where he's just like, uh, look at Sarah work. She loves hard work. She's doing <laughs> such a great job. Like boy, boy, the, those positive affirmations that you give the contestants while they're out there. That, that must really motivate them. Uh, I, I, uh, uh, I, I like, I like the idea of like accentuating what's, what's good and what people do. I love it. I mean, I get pumped. I feel like I can, it's like being on a, it's on like being on the sidelines of a, of a basketball 
basketball game, like mm-hmm. a big NBA game at Madison Square Garden. And I'm allowed to yell out to the players, you know, like, you know, talk to them as they're going. I could yell out to Steph Curry and tell him, Steph, you're playing great today. That's a great job. That's a great shot. Oh, what another great shot there. It's like, so, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of fun to drill in. And I, and I, I love these characters. I, I mean, I, I fall in love with them. I, 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 I don't know. I just feel like make me feel warm and fuzzy inside when I think about them. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so, yeah, I want to pump them up. I want them to be the best they can be. I want them, you know, I tell them at the beginning that they're all going to fall in love with each other as well. And they do. And they season one contestants are still talking to each other. And now they've connected with season two people. And I, mm-hmm. I love the chats in the van. I love the fact that they f- find this if they find common ground and they bond together. It's it's kind of satisfying to see. Mm-hmm. Can I ask, going back to the sheep, I do find it interesting that you've now, every other episode, have done some sort of challenge with animal handling, animal husbandry, uh, as we would say on the podcast. <laughs> is, is this like something purposeful? Are we going to see more creature comforts over the course of the season, or is that just purely coincidental? Coincidental. Uh, yeah, completely coincidental. Um, I'm not sure there'll be any other uh, animal husbandry uh, mm-hmm. in the near future, uh, Michael, in the um, in Tough as Nails on Tough as Nails. Okay. My kids um, will be disappointed. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Next week is going to be uh, something really different for us. We're going to a stadium, and um, it's kind of epic. It's it's fun. It's quite different mm-hmm. from anything we've we've done. It's it's big and um, different. Just really different from anything we've done out of the dust and the dirt and the grime into the heart of Los Angeles at the LAFC and um, very different. Yeah. Well, I think you've conditioned us to think a certain way, Phil, because the first time well, the first thing I thought of when I saw that stadium was I bet they had an easy time finding something that could satisfy their parking needs in the current climate. <laughs> like that's got a big parking lot. They could distance in there. That's going to be easy. There's enough bathrooms. Yes, it was. That was one of our more uh, one one of our easier COVID friendly shooting mm. locations. That plan was great, and you're absolutely <laughs> right. We made use of, and the fact that you know we had to do this plan because of COVID, and then because of COVID, there was more space yeah. made it a lot easier. So oh, yeah. we wanted to do more urban things, but there were just some um, there were some urban things that were just out of the question because we literally couldn't find space. In, in a congested urban environment. So we did our best. You'll see some stuff that uh, is is in the city, but it definitely hindered some of our options. Like, ah, uh, yeah, it's too tight a space. But yes, at the stadium, we were not, uh, we, we were spoiled for space. When So going to the farm, this really was, you know, it's the construction site a bit, but this felt for me really like the first time you went back to a location that was really, you know, uh, detailed from the previous season as well. Were there thoughts about let's, you know, reprise some of the challenges we did at the farm last time? Because I do think that the three challenges from this past episode were also incredibly varied. I would not think, okay, we're going to the farm. Let's learn how to make horseshoes. Right. Yeah. um, Part of the going back to that other location was also just because we knew the location. And when you're, you know, during COVID times, 
to test. You've everybody's got to get tested to be able to go to a location. So it restricted a lot of our it restricted our ability to 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 scout. We didn't have the same scouting options. Season one we, it was a free for all, right? Like, hey, um, Thursday afternoon, let's drive down to um, let's drive down to Long Beach and go scout that thing. Yeah, okay, I'll call so and so, and we'll go down there after you know the end of the day or whatever. Like, there's no restrictions now. It's like, all right, we want to. Go down and scout in Long Beach. Okay, where's the location? Um, where are you going to park? Who's going down? Okay, we need to get you tested. Then you and this is all before we all went into lockdown and quarantine. So, it, it you know, when I say it was hard shooting, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's not easy. It's it's everything becomes uh, has a whole other layer of. Uh, you know, it's just everything becomes way more structured. Yeah. So that a lot of that location there, that choice was literally just like we know the location, we know where to park people, we know we can separate people, we know where we can put people for lunch. <laughs> now I don't want to get too much behind the mm-hmm. scenes, but that's the reality of it. You know, Phil, can we ask you about going back to last week? Is there anything else that you could tell us about Mikey Eyebrows? That's been a big question that a lot of the fans have had about uh, what happened. Uh, we know that uh, he left the show, but is there anything else that you could tell us about what happened? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, look, it's very important for us to have uh, a respectful environment on the set. That's mm-hmm. you know a, a priority for us, and we do have some zero tolerance rules. And behind the scenes, he uh, unfortunately broke one of those rules. And that's why he's not competing on the show anymore. Yeah, that's that's really it. Mm-hmm. When, when something when something unconventional like that happens, I mean, was there a choice as to how forthcoming you would be on the show proper about that type of stuff as opposed to, you know, obviously there's it's like apples and oranges with Tara, who we saw her injury. She talks through it. You even say at the end of that episode, we'll have medical check it out when you get another unconventional type of situation like that, is there, was there talk about how do we approach, you know, communicating this to the viewers? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, we made the decision that we were going to just inform the audience that he was off the show. Mm-hmm. you you know, things are moving very, very quickly. Um, and when I say zero tolerance for some things, it, it, there's just not a question, right? Like, you cross that line. That's it. There's no mm-hmm. makeup. It's that's what it is. So, um, you know, everything is explained to all the contestants. All, all the rules are explained to them. They know there's no, there's no surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what, I think the positive part of it all is the strength of the format allowed us to, pick up the pieces and roll very quickly into five against five. And because of the strength of the characters, Mm -hmm. um, we were able to pick up and um, move forward. Um, You know, life is unpredictable, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's uh, life is unpredictable. And, and and I think you've just got to forge forward. And I, I, I applaud the, the cast and everybody for just picking up and moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can promise you a great rest of the season. And I was very impressed with um, how the cast moved forward because both of them lost a teammate. Yeah. Well, I was curious what would have happened if 
only one of the teams had lost a teammate. What if it's six and five? How do you adjust for that? Well, that's a really good question. Um, and <laughs> I mean, it, it, it just so happened that the numbers worked in our favor. Um, the chan- I mean, chances are like we could be at season 32 and something like this would never happen again. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know how we would cover every variable, but we would have found a way and we mm-hmm. would have, we would have also worked it out with the rest of the cast so that they all felt it was fair. Um, you know, we, th- that's fairness and f- fairness is, is hugely important to us. Um, you know, and we're constantly checking with the cast about when they get briefed with rules on um, not just the rules about being on the show, but the rules of each challenge that they, um, you know, we ask them, all of them individually, do you understand? Do you know how to use this piece of equipment? Like with the bulldozer thing with the guy going back to the guy, nobody, if anybody had said, I need more instruction on how the bulldozer works or i don't know what you mean when you say that lever makes it go forward or back we would make sure mm-hmm. you know short of making sure short of putting them in there and giving them ten thousand hours of experience where you know everybody good like yeah everybody got it so we we don't for instance even just with briefing the cast you don't like have half of them going to the bathroom and then half of them are getting an extra briefing or something they're all together mm-hmm. you do your best to make the competition as fair as possible there's real money on the line and so we want them to feel that when that winner stands there like murph did that that person that in everybody's eyes is deserving of being the winner and the same with the team competition that there's no argument or there's no resentment. Everybody is like going to be, you know, like that's the right person that won or that's Mm -hmm. the right team that won. It's important to us. Phil, uh, can I ask you about the, uh, one of the, uh, editing choices of that? There was a music cue in this episode, which was unlike <laughs> anything that we've had before on, uh, Tough as Nails. Was it with when, the sheep and the eyes? Yes. And yeah, the like, boom, yeah, like boom, the, the Victrola song. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, it was my favorite cue. I asked if we had more of it because I wanted more of it. I wanted it to go deeper into the challenge. And, uh, apparently it was just one little piece on the front of a, of a music cue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved it. It was an editor's choice. They mm-hmm. found it. They used it. I was like, damn, I love that. That's so cool. So, um, yeah, it's kind of stood out a little bit like the spec mix music, you know? And, uh, <laughs> yes. And Our I favorite. It. Yeah. It was a, it was a great, it was a great moment. Yeah, we have spec mix and sheep mix. Those are the two big major musical cues <laughs> yeah. on Tough as yeah. so far. And also, yeah, Phil, you also went uh, very hard on uh, this line. It's going to be a sheep show. <laughs> How many I, different takes did you do? <laughs> uh, there was one take, um, but um, yeah, no, they give me a hard time on the show for, for throwing in a few bad, bad jokes. And um, but listen, by the way, it was Freight Train who came in with that re- the, the first bad joke. And um, yeah, look, it wouldn't be. I I just love silly things like that. I quite well, we frankly, know. I wasn't we sure know. whether it was going to pass the uh, standards and practices that we're going to yeah. say. You know, you can't say that, but it's kind of fun. It, it would have been interesting if instead of a sheep show, it was a bleep show. I think that would have that would have uh, drawn mm-hmm. many more blanks, quite literally, with yes. the crowd as to what they it's could fill be in a there. Bleep show. I guess I'm going to save that one for the show that has 
an, an inordinate amount of uh, of cursing. Yeah, <laughs> we'll call that the bleep show. Well, I feel like um, if you are tough as nails, you should also be able to. Um, you should be as profane as nails. Mm-hmm. I think most of the time. <laughs> That's very true. I've been to a construction site. I know how they talk. Yeah, well, this is very true, and 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 uh, you d- you do wonder, you do wonder whether there'll be a day where it'll just be a free for all. You know, like we mm-hmm. we still have this thing on network television where you don't swear, but of course, you know, people are swearing, and we have to mm-hmm. di- get them to dial back. But um, you know, there there are people who are who don't like profanity. Mm-hmm. I respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll stick with that, Phil. I also like that you brought a lot of like concerned dad energy to the overtime <laughs> when Angel was uh, smithing, uh, and yeah, like Angel, please, please slow down. What do you think? We live in a barn. Close the forge. Yeah, you're going. Yeah, to, yeah you're going too Just fast. Be careful with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> forge. Um. Yeah, well, I mean, in all seriousness, I was trying to like, dude, you got to like, this is, you're working with some hot materials and, um, yeah, we don't, we don't want an injury. So, mm-hmm. so take your time, think about what you're doing. And, you know, freight train had the right approach and, uh, he was cool, calm and collected. He waited for the metal to get to the right temperature. He did his thing methodically and it was quite a different challenge. Does anybody else have uh, anything for Phil this week? No, uh, I think we are good. Uh, we mentioned this before, Phil, but uh, Rob and I earlier on in the week simulated a survivor season with all of the CBS and Viacom stars that were part of the, the Super Bowl commercials. And we were so disappointed that we didn't see a Phil Kogan hiking up Mount Paramount uh, to show that he truly was tough as nails that could summit the mountain. Yes, I have had a few... Uh... I had I've had a few people ask me why I wasn't the world traveler and it was James Corden. I, um, but uh, I don't know what happened there. I don't know. Maybe there's something, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm getting voted off the top of the mountain. I, I, um, I maybe I got to the top and then skied off or, or got pushed off or uh, paraglided off or maybe I was buried in the snow or mm-hmm. I don't know. I no, I didn't get invited to the mountain. Um, but maybe one day I will. Yeah, it might be a that's a, a personal goal of mine to be invited to the Paramount. Yes, Mountain. Phil, Paramount. could you pitch what you would be doing in the Paramount Mountain commercials? Well, I would have loved to have ridden that skidoo mm-hmm. <laughs> alongside I, Dora the Explorer. I would have pushed James Corden off that thing and be like, "Dude, <laughs> I'm the world traveler. Get off that thing. Go back to your yeah. studio. <laughs> we want a James Corden, Phil Kogan rivalry. Oh, yeah, what we need. <laughs> I would have said, James, you can jump on the back, but I'm driving this thing. No, I don't know. Um, maybe it was just as well. I, I understand that they were. Um, <clears throat> I understand that they were. They shot it like in three countries, and people were all over mm-hmm. the world. And um, but yeah, it was a big to do. I I don't know. I, uh, I, I think we're still part of the content. We're just not part of the promotion. Yes. That no. is my understanding. I watched Tough as Nails on Paramount Plus this morning. Oh, you do? Okay. As did I. Yeah. So we're 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 in, but we're we're just not in the commercial. That's you still have to when you go to the app, you still have to search for it. It doesn't come up does not come up on your home screen. Oh, it doesn't? That's no. that's the next goal is gone on the whole stream. I know I know yeah. what happened though, Phil. It was that you 
when you were about to summit Mount Paramount, you brought a horseshoe with you, but it was upside down. So mm. all the luck fell out. Yeah, there you go. And so that's why. You that's what yeah. happened. All my no, luck fell out. You know what? I think it might have been that you had mm. the work whistle, but it's just it's so loud. They were afraid it's of an avalanche. And heavy. It's yeah. very heavy. If <laughs> yeah. I if I just had a torch, I could have led the way up the mountain. But no, I had to take my work whistle. And as a result. I was still back at the beginning <laughs> and got left in a pile of snow. Uh, hey, yeah. on a related note, I noticed that they were just, nobody's even pretending that you're blowing the work whistle anymore. <laughs> they just showed you like pointing to people and telling them to go without even blowing the work whistle. Well, the, the, there is a whistle sound. It's just, I know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Luckily, you're not blowing out your eardrums this time. Right. Standing right next to it. Yeah, it might have been. It might have been. That's probably what it is. You're probably right. They didn't want me to bring that work whistle because it would have interfered with the sound when they were shooting the commercial. It would have caused an avalanche for sure. That's what it is. I would have started an avalanche and it would have come down the Paramountain. Taking out all the stars of Paramount. is it the Para Mountain? Is it, it Paramount? It should have been. It should have been. Uh, it was, yeah, it should have been, been. <laughs> the Para Mountain. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe next time I'll, I'll um, next time I'll say, listen, if you climb the Para Mountain again, I'd mm-hmm. love to. I'd love to join you. Yeah. Or maybe you could have been like in your hosting tough as nails duties of look at Beavis and Butthead climbing up the mountain. They love hiking. They're travelers. Yeah. That's a great idea. I would have been on the top. I can be on the top of the mountain and I go, here comes Jeff Probst. He's got the torch. He's going to make it first. And right behind him, world traveler, James Corden. He's coming right up. He's left the skidoo. Who will make it to the top first? What are the overtime? I like where you guys are going. I think well, it would have been a more around. exciting campaign. Yeah, I think right, so. Um, round two. Dessert, please. Yes. Yes. I'm okay. ordering dessert. I'm bugging out of here. <laughs> great. Um, all right. Phil, thank you so much. Always thanks, a pleasure uh, to talk with you. And uh, yeah, have a great week. All right. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Thanks, Phil. Okay. Bye bye. All right. Hey, wait. Wait. He, he didn't pay the check this time. <laughs> wait. Hold on. Hold on. Wait, oh, wait, no. wait, 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 wait. He paid in horseshoes. Yeah. All right. Put it We're on not Phil's tab. That. Okay. Yeah. He's got a wad of cash that uh, looks just like, a, hey, he gives $12,000. Ready to did go. We ever, did we ever ascertain whether that's real money? It looks real. I don't know. To my you untrained eye. Real. Someone go to the ATM beforehand and just grab a stack of hundreds for the day? Mm, I don't know. Uh, look, it looked good. Look good though. Okay. Um, I also thought that this is a uh, freight train. He's like, uh, this is my family. I have like, and he had like, a, like, a, a, at least a four by six. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I carry it with me everywhere. Like, can like you imagine, shot, like, it's a, is it covered in shot. like, uh, like, uh, slime, eel slime? And <laughs> like, uh, I feel like, sw- I mean, he went in the ocean. Like, uh, <laughs> I think he mentioned he has one with him at every, t- at every turn. So I think he's got a stack of them. Did he bring a stack of yeah, he's pictures stack. every yeah. day? Different one every day. Freight train literally carrying his family on his ass. Mm -hmm. I also like uh, Freight Train's shirt. I don't know if we've mentioned Freight Train's polo, which says delivery guy on it. (laughs) (laughs) They they did that last season too. Like anytime you had it, you worked for a company with a logo, they would would like just change the logo to say what you did for a living. I love that. That's like the generic Halloween costume. Yes. (laughs) You are are brown shirt delivery man for Halloween. Yes. They could have got him a Freight Train polo shirt. Yeah, I don't know why they have to have a logo on there. Like, maybe if you, you go to his uh, Instagram, maybe you can get the licensed freight train polo. All right. Um, anything else? Tough as nails. Episode four. 
I don't think so. I am. I am excited to go into the city uh, next week. We that's are the I'm city. More, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's where I am more comfortable. Personally, I'm not a Selly. I am more of an Arida. It looks like, again, we're going to like Amazing Race-esque tasks. Yeah. It looks like they're searching in the stadium I don't to know. find are, things. Are, are they going to run up and down the stairs like Desmond, Mike? Oh, yeah. They're going to do their, uh, what is it, the tree Another like, life, mm-hmm. brother. Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, that's, I mean, that's how you would uh, start another race around the world to link with another <laughs> Phil Kogan show. Maybe it's you meet up with a friendly doctor who twisted his ankle and patch it up and give him some friendly life advice before you meet up three years from now. I am, I'm not sure. It's, it's going to be an interesting location because uh, I wonder what professions we're going to focus on as well. Stadium workers? Well, sure. There's going to be a point where they have. I'll have to stop what they're doing. They're going to go like groom the field, and then they have to stop what they're doing mm-hmm. and do the YMCA. <laughs> yeah, they're going to do the. Is the overtime going to be like run around the bases in mascot costumes? <laughs> is, is AJ Mass going to be in that episode? If it took place in New over. York, yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's next time on uh, Toughest Nails. Believe it or not, they'll be uh, halfway through. Or uh, uh, it's that's fairly interesting. Uh, it'll be the uh, <laughs> fifth episode of the season, halfway through season two of tough as nails okay uh, we'll be back next week to talk about it and uh have some more fun talking about tough as nails uh jess uh what else do you have going on uh well uh over on push show recaps Chappelle and i are covering the final six episodes of season 10 of the walking dead yes and robert you and i need to coordinate because i want you to watch the next one and is this it, it is us. that is season 10 it or is this no. what are they gonna do season 11 one more season 11 one like painfully dragged out season 11 spanning two years oh my so god yeah finish line's not here yet yes but yes um it's in sight yes um so we are covering the final six episodes of season 10 of the walking dead and then Chappelle and i also got together if you are a patron of post show recaps you'll be able to hear us this weekend talk about the 1998 cinematic classic can't hardly wait mm-hmm. oh yes yes seth green at his most cringy arguably mm-hmm. oh it's such a cringy movie on so many levels and we had a lot to unpack but we had a really good time talking about it yes all right uh that's uh sounds like a lot of fun i'm gonna check that one out uh mike uh we talked about our paramount paramount mountain brant steel of course you can check I can't out believe you guys mentioned that to phil like don't we want to know why where he was jess he likes he likes silly things. He doesn't like completely ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, I don't know. We haven't. We're, we're constantly we, pushing that. For line. the record, yeah. Did we mention the simulation to Phil? I don't think that, that was. A, no, that's I the think thing. We, you don't count. Yeah, by we we just talked about them in a simulation. Yeah, Jess. So that we were we were very okay. like coy about that. We just Be talked cool, about guys. the commercial. We didn't mention yeah, but, that we did. But, but yeah, a survivor so many simulation from CBS and Viacom, including Phil's new ops, James Corden, <laughs> got together <laughs> to play a survivor season. It was, you know, I, I'm going to quote Rob here and saying this might be one of the best ones that we have done. The season is dramatic mm-hmm. AF. So be sure to check that out. Additionally, uh, I know the Big Brother Canada season has already begun. But if you're in for a little bit of a preseason mm-hmm. taste, I got together with Taryn Armstrong, Liana Boris and Jenny Autumn do a Big Brother Canada think tank where before the season we went through a bunch of listener submitted ideas uh, for possible twists that the game can bring in. I'll also uh, pick I loved up for it. Jeff. I loved it, Mike. Oh, thank you. It was a great yeah, it was, panel. So much fun. We got to learn a little. We got to learn a lot about you know what makes a good twist. We got to learn a bit about Canadian culture and all of its uh, interesting terms that they use in children's shows sometimes. So it was really educational. Look at Mike go. He loves to podcast. 
Thank there you. goes Mike to the tickle trunk. <laughs> exactly. Fair, a fairly interesting trip to the tickle trunk for the four of us at the uh, Big Brother Canada think tank. And then over on Post Show Recaps, I'll pick up where Jess left off because uh, the week before Jess and Chappelle got together, myself and Liana Boris got together to talk about the inimitable classic 2009 film Paul Blart Mall Cop Ooh. on Post Show Recaps Theater, which was a hoot and a half maybe tough as nails season three they'll go inside a mall and do challenges about mall security because that is mm-hmm. truly a tough as nails job as paul Blue Blart indicated. yeah uh, and then over on post show recaps proper we're doing coverage of down the hatch with lost the bloom files we're doing some x-files stuff getting into a, a rather clone filled uh two-parter coming up this weekend and i'm very excited to announce that i'm going to be joining everything is super for the upcoming series of falcon and the winter soldier oh so it's wow gonna be me Kevin Mahadeo and Latanya Starks. Josh Wiggler is passing the shield down to me. So we're, we're going to do a preview show to see if that shield fits. And then we're going to jump into the action proper moving forward. But there's lots of great stuff going on on Posher Recaps as well as RHAP proper. And I'm sure more silliness to come, only some of which we will actually describe to Phil Cohen on this <laughs> yeah, podcast. Yes. Uh, of course uh yeah we mentioned uh the brand steel also this week i got together with uh mike's co-host on the bnb liana boris and phil t uh to talk about the 32nd best season of survivor according to the fans of robinson podcast survivor ghost island uh i'll tell you why i actually uh, thought it played a lot better on a binge uh so we'll talk about that and everything else from survivor ghost island plus all of our big brother canada coverage is back taryn armstrong is uh going to be alive again on thursday night already had a recap on wednesday night with uh, melissa denny and asia welch on uh, wednesday to talk about the big brother canada premiere we will have episodes live after every episode of big brother canada and then on monday night I get back to hosting a Big Brother Canada recap Monday nights. I will be live after the episode to talk about everything that's going on over on uh, Big Brother Canada. That and much more all at RobHasAWebsite.com. Of course, uh, this weekend, I will be back with our patron feedback show to talk about all of your listener questions from Survivor Ghost Island uh, with Will from America. You could get that and everything else we're doing over on our patron feed at RobHasAWebsite.com slash patron. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Support for this podcast comes from our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and it's hard work, but you know what's easy? Bundling with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. It's a good thing, too. You're busy enough. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free.